0: Psalm 42, starting in verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is, down, is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise Him, my salvation and my God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Holidays uh, remind me of favorite texts. As I go from year to year and holiday to holiday, there are texts that Pop out of me. For example, at Christmas time, I never come to Advent except I begin to think about Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2. Both were up in their years and both were waiting for God to fulfill his promise to Israel. In fact, Simeon says, I can depart in peace now because my eyes have seen your salvation, Lord. And Anna was the same. She she was married for a brief period of time, less than 10 years to her husband. And then for the rest of the time, it says she spent day and night in the temple, waiting. Those kinds of texts just jump out at me. Now, there's a text at Mother's Day that jumps out. Certainly, Psalm, or Proverbs 31. But a particular line in Proverbs 31 just, just glares at me when I come to Mother's Day and prepare just preach. And so, though you can't preach on that text every time, sometimes you can at least allude to it. Listen to what it says in verse 25 of that proverb. This little line, when it describes a, a woman who fears the Lord, it says in verse 25, she laughs at the times to come. She laughs at the times to come. One person commenting on that, and I quote him, said this. This is what's happening. This is what is going on as she laughs. When Satan dangles in front of her tomorrow's troubles, she glares up at Almighty God at her right hand and laughs at Satan's folly. When Satan dangles tomorrow's troubles, there's a sense in which she has learned. She has learned to put her hope in God and it steadies her more than steadies her it causes her to laugh at times to come to laugh at the folly of satan now note what i said there she's learned to do that doesn't come naturally that's why this morning we're in a different text that's why psalm 41 was read this morning And I want you to see something in the middle of that text, and then I'm going to take you a couple of other places this morning and talk about hoping in God. That is what caused her to be able to laugh at Satan's follies. But again, it's something that she learned. It's something that we all must learn. It's something that Psalm 42 makes very plain about that. Here David, most people think David is writing this, particular psalm, and writing in the context of his son Absalom giving him all kinds of difficulty. And and in the midst of that psalm, you, you read along and he talks about searching for God, he talks about searching to find God, and and then all of a sudden in verse 5 it says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? And the answer, he says, to himself, hope in God. For I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. What was happening here in Psalm 42? He's talking about the troubles that he's got. He's alluding to those troubles. He's saying with tears, in verse 3, tears have been his food. And then it's as though he catches himself as he's going along and he says, why? Why am I going there? And he begins to turn and he begins literally to preach to himself. He begins to say to himself, hope in God. Why are you allowing yourself to get beat around here? Why are you allowing these Troubles that are being dangled in front of you to so consume you and control you. And he goes back to saying, hope in God. David had to preach to himself and everyone has to do that at times. Everyone has to stop who is a believer and and just take inventory and say, okay, enough. And begin to preach to themselves. Words like hope in God. Preach to your own soul. If you haven't learned to do that, then, then you cannot laugh at your troubles. You will not laugh at them. They will consume you and they will control you until you learn to stop and preach to yourself hope in God and all that that means. When you do that, it doesn't come naturally. You just don't naturally go there. Our sinful fallen state does not take us there. Even our redeemed sinful fallen state doesn't take us there automatically. You have to intentionally stop and begin to tell yourself, preach to yourself, if you will, the truth. And here he says, Hope in God. Hope in God. Well, it's important, I think, to understand what he means by hope here. It's really kind of the opposite of the ordinary use of that word. The the ordinary use of the word hope is not the definition that Scripture would give to that. The ordinary definition of the word hope is, is in this context. I hope that the weather tomorrow is better. We've been saying that, haven't we, for quite some time. I hope. I hope. Is it ever going to get here? Or, my only hope of arriving home safely and in time tonight is if the traffic pattern is not uh, busy. The freeway is not busy. Or whatever road you travel. Other ways, my only hope is a sense of, you're not sure it's going to happen, but you're hopeful that it might happen. Uh, You're hopeful that the twins pitching will hold out so they can win the World Series this year. Again, you hope, but that's not the word it means. That is not the context. When he says hope in God, that is not not what he's talking about here. The hope that Scripture talks about when it talks about hope is, is different. It's the opposite actually of what those words and those definitions of hope that most of us use. We throw that around a lot. But that's not biblical hope. That's not what what the psalmist is telling himself here. The biblical hope is this. It's a confident expectation of something good in the future. Not only do we desire it, but we expect it. It's a certainty that it will occur. That's the hope that the psalmist is talking about here. Not an unsure hope, but a, but a sure hope. A certainty Biblical hope is about certainty. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. It's about certainty. And only that kind of hope will allow you to laugh at the future. Only that kind of hope will allow you to do what the woman of Proverbs 31 was doing. Now, the question I want to ask, and I take you to another text in in Romans chapter 15, I want you to turn there if you will, Romans 15 and verse 4, is how do we live there? It doesn't come automatically. It's something we must do if we're going to laugh at the future as the Proverbs 31 woman did. But how does one live there? How how do we live there? What are the means that God has given us so that we can learn to hope in God in the right definition of God? The word hope. What is the means by which that occurs? And we learn to do that in our lives. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, I think, spells it out for us. And I want to read it to you this morning. And then I want to just break that text down here and leave that with you all, but particularly with mothers today. It says in verse 4, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. The first thing that it says is that the Scriptures were written for our instruction. You you need to, to know the Scriptures. If you're going to have this kind of hope, if you're going to be able to laugh at the future, you need some instruction. And the instruction it's talking about and the primary instruction of Scripture is about who God is. We must be certain of who God is if we're going to have the kind of hope that it's talking about here. The kind of certainty that hope is about. The confident expectation of something good coming to us in the future. You won't have that if you have the wrong view of who your God is. It won't happen. And so the first thing is instruction. Instruction like things in Jeremiah thirty two. We won't you don't have to turn there, but in Jeremiah thirty two, I read it last week. We read that text a lot. It is the Old Testament, New Covenant. I mean in the in the Old Testament, it is the new covenant being spelled out. And it says this that God will be their God. And will rejoice in doing them good. That's that's the God we have. A God who is about saving a people. That's what this book is about. That's what the Old Testament as well as the New Testament is about. It's about God being the God of a people. About saving His elect. Those from all generations and all ages and all time. Who... He is saving. He's saving them. He wants to be their God. That's what salvation is about. God wants to be the God of a people. But not just be a God of a people. Not just be a tyrannical God over these people. But the scripture says very plainly that he wants to be their God and he is going to rejoice in doing good to them. You have to have that view of God. You have to have that kind of instruction in your mind if, if you are going to have the kind of hope that laughs at the future, that trusts its God, that rests in its God about the future. In the New Testament, the parallel of a passage like that would be Romans chapter 8. Let me read to you what it says in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? You see that that group that God wants to be the God of. Who shall bring any charge against those whom God is saving, his elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of the God, who indeed is interceding for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? The woman of Proverbs 31 could laugh at the future because she was absolutely certain that God was for her and not against her. Um, it is it is incredibly important that we understand that. As you look at even the psalm that we read, the psalm that where, where David is writing and he's talking about his tears being his food, and then all of a sudden he catches himself and he says, and preaches it, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. You must know the context of that to understand how powerful that is. David was experiencing difficulty as the result of his own sin, of his own disobedience. And yet, he stops and he says, why is my soul downcast? He could easily say what Satan would like you to say. Why are you downcast? Well, why shouldn't you be? Look what you did. David, David knows something about his God. He knows he has a God who is for him, even when he doesn't do it all right. God is not for him on the basis of him doing it right. He's for him on the basis of what his son will one day do right. You see, you must understand. You must have instruction. You must understand the gospel. You must. You will not be able to preach hope to yourself if you don't have a firm grip on the gospel. And the gospel is about God wanting to be the God of a people and doing everything to reconcile that people to Himself in the death of His Son. His Son bearing the wrath of all of their sin. So that then God can be just and also gracious. If that sin had not been cared for, if it had not been paid for, He would be unjust to be gracious. Ultimately. And for all those outside of Christ, all whom have not had their sin born in Christ, He will one day execute His justice, but not for those He is saving. He poured out His wrath on His Son. You see, those are the kinds of things that we must know. We must know that there remains no longer any wrath from God to us if we are in Christ. That He now is for us and not against us. And that He rejoices to do good to us. And that everything that comes from His hand ultimately is for our good. Now, it doesn't always feel good. We live in a broken world and sometimes we don't know all of the wisdom that God has and knows. And so sometimes though it may feel, it felt that way for David. My tears have been my food. So what does he have to do? He has to stop. He has to catch himself. He has to say to his self, self, God is not against you. He is for you. You are his anointed. Hope in God. Not wishful thinking. Bedrock solid hope that God is for him. You have to at times stop yourself and then understand why he is for you. It's on the basis of Christ. It's on the basis of the gospel. You must know the gospel. You must know what this book is about. Or you won't stand there. And any place else to stand ultimately is the other kind of hope. Any other kind of hope is not biblical hope. Biblical hope stands on the work of Christ. On the word of God to us in Christ. And so when David declared it, hope in God, he was catching himself. He was stopping. say, okay, okay, this is enough. This is enough. And, and what happens when that happens is what the text talks about happens. Turn back to chapter 15. When you start to get the right instruction, when you start to know those things about your God and you know the gospel, then things that are written here begin to happen. It says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement, what happens is when, when we go there, when we get the gospel right, we get the instruction right, steadfastness and encouragement comes to our soul. We, it catches us. And that's exactly what happened for David in Psalm 42. He started to preach to himself the truth. And and encouragement and steadfastness begins to settle into your soul. It is, it is is God-centered encouragement. One of the things that I have said to you in, in previous years is this is probably one of the hardest days to preach that I have in all of my calendar. This This day and Father's Day are two of the hardest days primarily because you want mothers to go away encouraged. You want fathers to go away encouraged. And sometimes as you read Proverbs 31 ladies look at that litany of things and it doesn't create encouragement. It creates discouragement when they start to measure their lives and see their own, their own faults and sin. So how do you encourage them? How do you encourage mothers? How do you encourage fathers? Well, you do it biblically. You do it biblically. You take them back to the Gospel. That's where your encouragement should lie. That's where your hope should come from. Your hope should come from knowing who your God is. Knowing that your God is the one that did it all right. That's what the Gospel is about. That's what Jesus did. And if you spend your time trying to to find your hope in you doing it all right, you will never succeed. You will either live in self-righteousness and delusion that you're doing better than you are or you will be in despair thinking there's no hope at all. Gospel encouragement is different than that. Going back to the scriptures, getting the instruction, getting who God is right. That is the real source of encouragement. For years in my early walk with God, I tried to find my encouragement and my hope in me, in my performance. And always was laid flat by it. I could not get real encouragement, real hope, biblical hope, certainty until I began to use the means that God has given me, which is looking to Christ, looking to the Gospel, hoping in Him, hoping in God. And for Christians in New Testament days, certainly David was in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament days, but for us, when it says the hope in God... You hope in God. But how you know God is by looking at the face of Christ. Mothers, this morning, I hope that you can have steadfastness and encouragement to laugh at the future because you're looking at the Son. You're looking at Christ and looking at the promises that the Gospel declares to us. Mother's Day can be a day of encouragement. It, It should be a day of encouragement because of Christ. And the scripture goes on to say this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Hope. And hope is what sustains us. Hope is what causes us literally to be able to be what God wants us to be. It is the hope. It is it is the encouragement of the hope which is rooted in Christ that actually will cause you to be a better mother. You won't be a perfect mother. You never will. No one will. No one ever has been. But you will be a better mother. And the way that works is... is uh, is the fact that that hope is the very thing, that surety is the very thing that causes us to, to, to live differently. Let me, let me give you a couple of examples and then we're going to close this morning. For example, if, if, if you're put down, if somebody puts you down, how do you deal with that? You look to the emotional reservoir of hope. For the strength to return good for evil. Without hope, I have no power to absorb the wrong and walk in love. I sink into self-pity and self-justification. You, you just go all of places you shouldn't go. But if you have hope, if you have a sure hope, when somebody puts you down, scriptures like, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God is just. You know Him to be a just God. And and he will right all wrongs one day, either right them in Christ, and Christ will take the punishment, or individuals will outside of Christ. But you don't have to set the record straight. You don't have to do that. Because you have a sure hope that one day that will happen. One day that will happen. You don't have to make it happen. If you face temptation to be dishonest, the reservoir of hope, Um, The emotional reservoir of hope for strength to hold you fast in the way of doing right and denying yourself some brief, unsatisfying pleasure. You you don't have to turn to that because you have a reservoir of hope that holds you steady. A sure hope. That sure hope keeps us doing what we ought to do. It, It sustains us. But if you don't have that hope, then you you turn to other things. You turn to other things that get you in trouble. Um, If I experience a setback in my planning or I get sick, what do I do? Do I despair? No. I, I let my reservoir of hope that God is working all things for my good, even when they don't feel good. I trust Him. I trust him, I, I rest on my hope that God rejoices to do good to me, and some way, in some form, God is working good here and not harm to me. That's what David had to catch himself. When he said it, his tears are his food, he, he, was, he was going over to have his pity party. He was going over to feel sorry for himself. think God had abandoned him, and he has to stop and say, "No, no. God has not abandoned me. He does not abandon His anointed. He does not abandon His people. He rejoices to do good to them. Hope in God. Hope in God. Hope in Him. Not to your own devices, your own ways. And so for mothers and for all of us this morning, I, I hope your reservoir of hope is full. And it gets filled by the Scriptures. It gets filled by knowing who your God is and what He's promised to you. And so in times when you're tempted to go another direction, you have to just stop and say, Okay, enough. Enough. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. Be reminded of His promises to you. Be reminded of your relationship with him. Be reminded that he is not against you. He has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. That gives encouragement and endurance. As I said, it would have been easy for David to say, I messed up. I messed up. It's all because of that. But, but David knew that, yes, he'd messed up. He talked about that in other places. He was sorry for his sin. There was great sorrow for his sin. But he knew that God had not abandoned him. He does not abandon his own. He continues to do good to them. Rejoices to do good to them. And he knew it because he knew Scripture. He knew the promises of God. It is foundational. You, you cannot have hope. Except you know that the most important thing in all of life is to know that. It's interesting. Let me close with this this morning. I'll take you to a Mother's Day passage. We're going to preach on it later, not today, but in First Peter. You don't have to turn there. But as we come to this series in a, a beginning uh, next week, we'll begin in the book of Peter. But in the book of First Peter, there's a section there where Peter addresses. Women of unbelieving spouses. He turns to women who have, have uh, marriages where their spouse, their husband, is not a believer. And what he says to them, what he basically says to them, hope in God, trust Him, continue to live in, in, a, in a way. That your husband will see that your hope is in him. In fact, the way it's said, is, as Peter says, holy women who hoped in God. Holy women who hoped in God. Look to them. Look to their example as you live with your husband. Hope in God. I say to you mothers, I say to all of us, hope in God. Know that hope. Let that hope strengthen your heart. Be instructed by it. And God does wonders in our lives. He helps us. He helps us to be what we can't be any other way. He helps us especially to laugh at the future. It's incredible that 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 description is given to us in Proverbs 31. She laughs at the future. How do you do when Satan dangles those troubles before you? Where do you go? Do you go to your own life and say, well, I deserve it? Do you go to your God? Trust Him that He will walk with you through it. He will rejoice to do good. He will take those troubles and He will work good in your life. I hope that's where you go. This morning, as we close, the worship team is going to lead us in that very first song that we sang this morning. It talks about hope. we find it in Christ. I hope this morning you can declare that all I have is Christ. And it's enough. The hope we find in Him. Let's stand and sing together.
0: I once was lost in darkest night Yet thought I knew the way sin that promised joy and life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own forever to your will and if you had not loved me first I would refuse you still Savior.
1: mothers go, Lord, I pray that that we would know that even what we sang is the gospel, that there's no one in the kingdom today, there's no one who names the name of Christ today who, who wasn't a rebel that Christ came after owned as his own Father if he was willing to send his son for rebels scripture says will he not graciously along with Christ give us all things Lord I'm grateful I'm grateful that the gospel is about God coming after rebel hearts making them his own. And I pray, Father, for each one here today, the person who maybe feels like David, their tears have been their food, they wonder, has God abandoned me? I pray, Lord, they would just begin to preach to themselves. Hope in God. Hope in God and all He is for them in the face of Christ. Preach it. Preach it to their soul until they learn to do as the woman of Proverbs 31 to laugh at the future because they've come to understand the security of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.